when it doesn't when it doesn't run the program. <laughs> Here's the thing: the program crashed. My computer's fine. I can I can reload this bastard however many times I want to until it works. Wow, it's like it's like this workhorse you have fucking like tied up. You're just like whipping it. And it keeps like falling <laughs> down. You're like, no, we're not no. done yet. Listen, get up! I'm, I'm yelling at Sisyphus to get up that fucking hill. He's gonna push that boulder. He's gonna make it someday. Sisyphus.exe has failed. <laughs> and it's, uh, I'll tell you, this map that you've designed, though, it's pretty dope, Stu. It's really good. Yeah, it is really dope. I, I need to, uh, I, I might, like, get rid of a couple of things on it, like, you know, reduce the business of some of the forests, but I really, I want, I want more assets so I can have different, like, town icons. I need more, I need more buildings. That's fair. Yeah. Some of it's got kind of like a an East Asian look to it, like almost Japanese to an extent, but I'm not sure. Is that like intentional? Not for my part, but it is intentional in the title in the uh the symbol set, yeah. So the way I the way I kinda of imagine is this is like like a, an initial kingdom initial kingdom in cities here and then build up around it. Um, from see. different people who have from different people who have like immigrated into the area. Uh, but for the most part, it's kind of just these these two main city style uh, like symbol sets here, where I've got like this kind of like outer boroughs area that kind of gets replicated up here, and then this tile set kind of repeats in a couple different places, but with like a different color cast to it. Okay. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, I love the colors. Oh yeah, when I was um. When I was making the map for the uh, Blades game I run that uh, that Bigby here's in, the what was it? Yeah, open this one up. Oh yeah. Um, the uh, the the thing that I ended up doing by accident was I kept accidentally um, getting weird colors for trees um, when I wasn't paying attention. Um, huh. So for this thing here, because there are a bunch of a bunch of the assets. You can kind of specify a custom uh, color for. Oh, that's um, cool. But for whatever reason, it keeps defaulting um, to this like really bright blue Aww. for a lot of the tree assets. Uh, and at a certain point, I was like, you know what? They're just, you know, I was like, you know what? The richer areas of town are going to have these like bright blue trees. Why not? Just because they have the money. <laughs> they have the, yeah, bougie, like... the bougie trees. Yeah, it's like, you know what? If you're going to get into a more expensive area of town, you're going to have the bougie trees. Yeah, you got like, you know, the, <laughs> the bourgeois trees. <laughs> yeah. And now, now you're thinking. <laughs> I don't yeah, know how these ones ended up as like purple and red. Occasionally, there are like little weird bugs here and there, but it's mostly fine. Wait a it's second. Ghost, ghost trees. Yeah, ghost trees. <laughs> Could happen. Yeah, I'm slowly getting more powerful with these map tools. They man, I the, this city map is probably the coolest one for me though. But it's just it's cool to see the just having played around in this city in terms of like the campaign that we've run for so long, just to be able to see the map like this all fleshed out and colored and detailed and everything looks really really nice. I definitely can agree like this is the first time seeing it but i can definitely agree with that because you have like so many different districts and stuff mm -hmm. it's just so there was uh, 
originally Stu had this all drawn out on a big uh paper sheet uh not i don't think you had quite everything filled in but i think you just wound up using this as the the official version now but yep i i i started on it and got everything like i got at least the, the districts all mapped out and i started drawing out buildings and i got real tired i low-key at some point wouldn't mind getting like a scan of this made hell yeah that's one thing that's that's kind of like super cool is that um at least one of the sites that I that I bought some of these uh, some of these assets and symbols for, um, they have a couple of guides on their website for how to like um, print out a like they call it like a two point five D um, like maps and other things. Um, so essentially, they have you printing out like maps or pieces of maps um, on like kind of like half like half centimeter uh, like. Not 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 bristol board, but with a like a half centimeter foam board, um, and kind of like either doing either going with like a laminate on top or like a couple other things that they had. But you essentially have these like really nice looking like high resolution assets on like little like basically like little tile sets you can print out and then like have for your in person game, which is super cool. That is pretty dope. I had seen uh, on Twitter there was uh, one artist that I follow. I think was doing uh, basically these like little paper minis. Like they were basically designing these little different creatures and like a whole like suite of them. Like I think they had like little bird knights and stuff, mm -hmm. and uh, had them out as like a print and play kind of thing. So you could like just print them out, cut them out, and maybe just like little like two D like paper minis that you could use for different things it was kind of neat i think the one guy huh. was even doing like this little army of gnome dudes and he had this like whole big like air balloon thing that he made as like a paper craft thing it was pretty dope actually nice it's uh it's neat it's something i've considered trying to do at some point with like designing something digitally to like print out but that's not something i've gotten around to yet but it's uh it's something i might look at at some point soon and i might i might I'm considering it because I've watched a couple streams of um of a DM on Twitch who has been doing about just a bunch of streams of like map building in Incarnate, um, and one of Ooh. one of the really cool things that Incarnate already has a really good like tool set and tile set in it, um, and it lets you upload your own packs to like to your account, um, so if you have like extra assets you want to add in, even though you are paying for a subscription, you can upload new things to it, um. I've been thinking about it, but I've already got these map makers. But I can have more map makers. Yeah, more. <laughs> more map makers, more assets. Stu Digery Stu has an addiction to fucking <laughs> map making. I've I've always loved maps in uh, RPGs. I have been um hampered by my like my lack of like drawing talent where I will go like, oh I really want to do this, and I'll start drawing something out and I'll just kind of lose the plot. But for whatever reason, I can kind of keep my, I can keep my intent focused when I'm doing something in like a program like this. But like if I'm just drawing stuff out on a map, like um, I was relatively um, notorious when I was running games in uh, a local game shop years ago um, for just writing H's on the maps for chairs. <laughs> So there was a point where, like, I brought in a big map that I've been working on for a while, and <laughs> I like spread it, yeah, and I like spread it out on the on the table, and it was like, oh yeah, the party was going to be attacked when they uh when they were in like this one part of town that had this like really good pub, 
And so the whole, they were like, yeah, let's get to the pub next time we're in town. I'm like, cool, they're going to get attacked there. And so as I pull up this map and it's got, you know, buildings and stuff, I had no idea how to draw a chair. So I just wrote like blocky H's. And one <laughs> of the guys was like, Stu, what, Stu, what the fuck? What is this? Like, are these H's? And I'm like, they're chairs. And everyone's just going, <laughs> all right, so we sit down on, we sit down <laughs> on our H. <laughs> I can definitely uh, agree with that because, like, uh, if you don't know how to draw something uh, and you kind of get lost in the detail, it really can, like, disconnect you from your world. So it does make it really hard to kind of, like, stay focused on it. But with something like this where you can visualize it so much better, it's just, yeah, it just makes it ten times easier to be able to stick with it, I find. Yeah, that's definitely the the way it is for me. I don't know. Map drawing isn't something I've tried as much in terms of like trying to illustrate something like that, but I feel like it's something I should try doing more. But at the same time, I I don't know. I also kind of like the draw of software like this, but I I don't know. I feel there's always a part of me that feels like I should draw like my own assets and stuff for it, though. But that is a lot of work, of course. Um, and it, there is something I definitely appreciate with this in terms of just letting you focus on the like layout stuff rather than like having to worry about like making everything look like the thing and just more worry about where everything goes yeah very much so because like this way i can like with this i can like i ran this off yesterday evening in like i want to say 15 minutes um and it's like uh it's it's like it's a relatively simple map. All it's meant to be is just like kind of a walk up to a ranger's cabin. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, like I find that I'm just able to do stuff like quickly. And that like that that city map for the Blades game, that took me like days because yeah. I was like, that was like my first of my first like city map in this program. Oh, yeah. You want to be yeah. detailed with that. You want to put oh, time into it. And like I like spent a long like I, I spent like a whole like day and a half in the evenings just working on the waterways and like oh wow like referring back to my old map and then going like okay this is how i kind of this is how I oh the, yeah the, the structure of it and then going back and going like okay now that i'm kind of putting this in this program i want to redo some of the waterways a little bit to make a bit more sense and then it was yeah. just like messing around with like the background color for water and like the land color in all of the cases um so yeah it I don't know like i i really like i really like making the things in these because like even on like relatively small and scuffed maps i feel really good about what i've made you could, you, honestly you could probably like go on what uh reddit and stuff like that and sell maps honestly like design maps for people's campaigns you could probably make a few dollars thanks that's like a that's like a nice that's a like a pretty nice compliment there. Like, <laughs> I've, like I've, I've I've always felt pretty good about this one, um, and then oh, then there's the whole thing about like, hey, do you have the do you have the business license to sell things with the assets that you have? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Oh. but I mean, it definitely like I know our audience can't see it, but it it shows that you've put time and effort into it into this. If you're one of the lucky people in the Discord, um, you can see this map in... At some point, I've definitely posted it to the Tabletop Zone, but... 
if you're one of the lucky players in my Blades uh, in the Dark game, you can see this map every we time. We are like, this is the definition of narrow casting right here. <laughs> We're like broadcasting <laughs> to like maybe three other people because two of them are on the podcast right now. Yeah. Uh, well, it's episode 53 of Balcony Banter. And I know, yeah, like, look, I understand that we're about 10, no, actually 12 and a half minutes through the episode. Hell yeah. Uh, Hell but yeah. you know what? I can't help it. We got going. We got rolling. It was a good Stu, map. Didgery Stew's with us this week. He brought yeah. in our, our, our great cartographer friend. <laughs> it's just brought <laughs> just a beautiful bounty of maps. Yeah. And, Listen, uh, I think. I think on every episode I've been on, we've started with like a long preamble of oh, just yeah. going like, hey, "Here's this thing. I like this thing," and then just I go. We, I you and I, Stu, we both have that gift to just keep talking about something, and we can talk for a really long time about it. And I, I know that we both possess it in a pretty equal measure because there was that one night. Uh, God, it would have been almost like a couple of years ago now where we were on Discord talking and we were like up like all night talking and just switching topics randomly. And it because I remember it was somewhere around like eight or nine, maybe 10 p.m. where we started talking. And I'm pretty sure like we got off the call at like 4 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, I think at one there was definitely a god. There was definitely a uh, like a Godzilla slash like Sentai diversion at one point. Yeah, yeah. There is that. I think we talked about Yakuza games. We talked about a bunch of different games. I think I was playing like EDF while we were talking, if I remember correctly, at least for a bit. Mm -hmm. But I think that yeah, was we talked I, about a lot of shit. Yeah, I think that was when I, I expressed I, I expressed my admiration. Uh, for EDF, even though I cannot play that game, not due to any oh, like, yeah. not due to any like, insectophobia or like arachnophobia or anything, but like the one time I tried to play it at a buddy's place, there was just too much stuff happening on the screen, and I I could not focus on anything, and actually started to feel like a little bit motion sick. Yeah, huh. you know, I can understand that. That game can be a lot with how many bugs they throw at you and how quickly they come at you mm -hmm. and will like swarm all around you and just kind of like hoard your camera view. It's uh Yeah. Yeah, it's fact, intense. you know what? I, I think I actually expressed this on another episode that I was on with Fly once. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember a good conversation with Fly. Um yeah, you must have been there, uh regarding motion sickness and stuff like this. Yeah, I think oh that was goodness. the podcast where we started off talking about blimps. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, that, was, that episode, for whatever reason, was particularly memorable to me. That <laughs> that whole blimp conversation was uh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of opening opening uh, you guys up to a whole new world. <laughs> yeah, well, elevating us really, um, but. Yeah, man, I don't have a whole lot of new stuff going on <laughs> right now. Uh, I've just been like struggling trying to get back into like the whole work thing again and being back into being productive. And it's I I'm getting there, but it's like a, been a slow grind these last couple of weeks. Oh, it's so early in the new year. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, 
the gym closure and stuff doesn't help. I yeah, for like in I Ontario in another lockdown. Just fucking my yeah, word. Fucked my whole shit up. Yeah. And in yeah. a, another one of our Ontario's classics pseudo lockdowns. Where... Well, that was the thing that fucked me up with this is because like when it got announced, I was like a fucking course. Of course, like right at it, as soon as the holidays are over, as soon as we're past New Year's, that's when the restrictions are going to start. We've known about Omicron for, like, well before fucking, like, the holidays were even beginning. But, of course, we waited until after, you know, everyone's going to be out shopping and going to be out seeing and, and contacting everybody else, their family and friends and whatever the fuck else, partying or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we have the restrictions hit, is as soon as all that's over soon as there's all these opportunities for transmission then we're going to close outdoor patios and gyms yep, yep. Uh, like i'll just say i'm not opposed to restrictions i ain't that kind of person i ain't you know i don't care i'm fine wearing a mask it's all whatever i you know want people to be safe but also it feels like i don't know our government is not trying as hard as it like i don't know just weird fucking decisions i guess definitely odd decisions coming from the government higher-ups for sure mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I would say like i had a i had a, I had a pretty good pretty good holiday break overall like I, I would say that um like i so i i didn't really get to see any family last year um but th- but this last christmas um like I was able to go over to my parents for a while because they like me don't do anything. They don't like go out to do things or see people a lot. They're very like they're my, my entire like close family are very very introverted all. Um and got to see my sister for the first time in a couple of years because they she came down from well her, from her home um and just had a couple a few like re- like rapid tests on her that she was able to use over the course of several days. So it was like this, like, all right, sister got in uh, from the train. Okay. The first couple of tests, like, taken on day one, day two, day three, are all negative. All right, cool. We're all good. We're good to have, like, a socialization. <laughs> so, because my sister was coming from a city that was uh, has been over- overall hit fairly hard over and over with. Oh, uh, okay. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But that was at least, like, a nice, a nice fresh breath of air over the holidays for me. And yeah, like yourself, I, uh, Bigby, I've been trying to get back into the work mindset, and that has been aided by a bunch of stuff in my work getting, um, like, getting pushed out in the first couple of weeks of January because uh, we we really want to get some new projects out there and get kind of ongoing stuff done. So nice. So yeah, launched something on uh, on Monday for my for my work and. Ah, just relaxing now because I had like a three-hour uh, demo call today that I had to sit in on. Oh wow, that's uh, yeah, I've been there. Yep, I've been there. Yeah, freaking long-ass Zoom meetings can be really tiring and annoying for sure. Oh yeah, I, you I, want... made, I made myself a double yeah. espresso right before that meeting started, and so the first like twenty-five minutes, I was just feeling like just. I was like, oh, boy, this isn't relating to me at all. All right, I'm going to try to take some notes to keep myself focused. I'm, like, kind of, like, blinking heavily. I, yeah. 
that that whole notion like that that whole thing of taking notes to keep focus that's like a promise that like i make to myself so many times and always fucking fail i can, i never am able to fucking keep focused enough it's uh i i can manage in, uh, in certain situations but there's other ones where i really should be and i i don't know i just have a hard time with it but it's uh, in most cases i can manage i have a decent enough memory i guess but i uh yeah i man you want to talk about long zoom calls bees <laughs> i've i let me tell you you don't you don't even know because and i Stu probably has a decent understanding of the kind of pain i'm talking about which is like when you're like up in like what is almost like the second all-nighter in a row because we have to do this production deployment it has to happen this weekend and you have to get it done and yeah bear in mind this is like a saturday now and it's getting to like 1 a.m and you're hoping that it's going to end soon it's not going to go that much later but then you don't really end up act. what you don't realize is you're actually going to get off at like 4 a.m and that's and the whole time it is like a high stress situation everybody's on edge everybody's stressing trying to get shit done and uh that was for at the time you're working for a particularly toxic client though which i yeah that none of none none of it was good yeah a long time behind me now but i remember some choice comments from you at the time (laughs) yeah yeah like i i haven't hit I haven't hit that level of badness in my work mainly because um my my group at least the at least my like my division within my group is relatively small um and we're kind of most of our time is taken up by like working on stuff that we know that we know is happening in months in advance um so we usually have a pretty good lead up um to working on stuff there've only been a couple of times where I've had to like do extended work after hours or like it was like only one time I can think of where I actually had to come in on a Sunday, um, which was this like weird nexus of, Hey, these three people were off all week. Um, we're doing this deployment. You are the second backup for this thing. So come in at Sunday at 2 PM. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's not too bad. Yeah, I've been, like, compared to you, I've been way lucky to to do that. Yeah, for sure. See, here's the thing. The one thing I'll say, the company I work for specifically, great company. I have basically no complaints about that company. It's the clients that we would work for that would usually (laughs) be shitty. And to be fair, most of them weren't too bad. There were a couple that were pretty rough for different reasons, but the... Yeah, well, and one much more rough than the other, I'd say. But, you know, like, it, it, the company I work for specifically, and we don't really deal with a whole lot of, like, client work like that these days, so I don't really have to deal with that anymore. It's a lot more laid back, and part of the benefit that I have, I think, compared to, like, some of you guys talking about, like, what was with, like, upper management that you have to deal with is, like, I don't have a whole lot of upper management above me. Like I'm usually talking to like my boss, who's like the owner of the company most times. And he has like a very extensive history in software development. So it's not like some business guy who doesn't understand how software development works. It's like he, he, he gets it. So it's, I don't know. I find that helps a lot with it, but I mean, it's not that there's no frustrations, but it's, 
Hey, I don't think I'll have any late nights like that anytime soon, thank god. Oh, that's nice. It is um, also nice when your boss is like uh, one of those guys who's like, uh, yeah, just not some business tycoon who's just in it for the money. Like, they obviously are in the trade and have been in the trade, I should say, and know it. So, like, yeah, they understand the struggles. And it's like, when shit goes south, it's like they, they're not sitting there freaking out on you. They're genuinely like trying to help help you get it done. Yeah. Ah. Oh. That's that's generally how it's been at my workplace too. Except we had the the problem for a long time of what's our current what's our current structure, and it was just like a flat plane. Like, <laughs> oh, technically, everyone reports to the same person in in my, like my group within my work. It's like okay, so if I have a problem and my boss is in like New York on a business trip. Who do I talk to? <laughs> or like, hey, if someone's making an unreasonable demand and says this has to get done from another part of our group, who do I talk to? Do I like talk to someone who's been who's who has like seniority in my in, in my area? They technically aren't like my boss. They technically aren't like my manager or anything. But because they've worked here for longer, they have like the office clout to be able to say, no, we aren't doing this. So like that was its own weird situation. Yeah, that sounds problematic. Just because like any person who's like that, who who has that that clout, as you say, if they're just being a shitlord, then I mean, there's not really much you can do about it. And yeah. that's that that clout, quote unquote, isn't like a mm-hmm. good basis for who should be making decisions, right? Yeah, and for the most part, like we're we're a pretty pretty good team in my work. Um, there was only really one, there was like one, one big situation that happened once where, um, someone in another part of my group, um, was adamant that something in a program I worked on wasn't working properly. And I like, I, I had basically spent like a couple of hours gathering evidence to basically cover myself to say, no, this thing that you approved of two years ago is working the way you intended. You're like... <laughs> And yeah, that oh, I'm not gonna give uh, really any details on that, but that one was like a fun, like overall week and a half of like, all right, well, this person is absolutely certain that my thing doesn't work, and I go, I have the server logs, I have the access logs, I have everything that says that it's not doing the thing you say it's doing. Can you send me a screenshot? No, I can't send you a screenshot. Make it work. I'm like, hmm, hmm. So you, yeah, you're just sitting there like, what? Like, what the fuck do I do? Yep. I fucking. Oh, I hate those situations. Yep. And that was another situation where someone else who was, um, they started CCing other people who have been there longer than me in the conversation. And then at a certain point, one of the other guys in the room just like said, "Stuart, stop responding. Like, just, just, just leave it for now." Damn. We're gonna have to deal with this, but that's like the one I've had. To like you know, everyone's got problems with their work, like from yeah, modern things. That's was like the one time I can think of like that, like things really broke down in a specific way, and yeah, yeah. 
I've never really, uh, well, I shouldn't say never. Uh, I get thrown into like these minor situations where shit, uh, shit like this happens. Uh, like I've been at like different jobs uh, throughout my life, so I've been in these situations where it's like, oh, uh, you're gonna be on like just uh, pickups today, so if mm-hmm. all you're gonna be doing is if someone comes in and picks up their order, you give it to them. That's it. Like okay, that, that's simple enough. And someone comes in, and one day it's like, oh, I'm here for my uh, handmade mug that we made for our contest. And I'm like, what do you mean contest? (laughs) What do you mean handmade mug? What? This is my first time here. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Ma'am, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is Wendy's. Uh, Package, like, wait, what? (laughs) Or uh, just like other stupid times like this where it's like, oh, we need to do this uh, I want this specific thing. Well, it's like we need to do a specific function that I'm not trained for, and it's like, oh, but I want this now. It's like, what? The, well, what the hell do you do? Yeah. And then, without going into too many details, I ended up uh, freaking having to take money from her, and I refunded it. But um, apparently, we're not supposed to do refunds, so I I can't get into details. But it's like it's really hard to describe. But I basically had to like take the money back from her at the end of the day it was it was just so weird yeah just yeah stupid meyer situations like that yeah i i worked at a bookstore for a number of years and uh i like that's like the worst especially in a retail situation that's like the worst when you run into a customer who says hey i want this thing and you say oh well i can't get it to you right now and they go, that's unacceptable. And you're like, I, I literally can't. Yeah, I literally, I, I don't know what to tell you, bud. I yeah. don't think you understand. <laughs> yep. Like one of the, like, of course, working in retail, I, I had many a fun experience with people in the holidays, and one of them was, oh, I'm sorry, we like, the the computer says we have this book in stock because we're we're just unloading a couple of pallets full of books. And we had to scan them in. So it's just going to be, can you come back and give me 15 minutes to just quickly look through the boxes? And these two people were like, no, that is not acceptable. How, like, how dare your computer say something different? It was basically, they said something almost exactly to the line of, how dare your machine tell me, like, that you have something <laughs> you don't. And I'm like, it's, it's just going to, like, at max, 15 minutes. If I get lucky, maybe a couple of minutes for me to find this. Uh, yeah, just some people, well, I, I don't understand how they can just be so unreasonable. Well, okay, so, like, back when I was working with that, like, really shitty client, right? So this was, like, during one of those really late nights on, like, a production deployment, okay? This was the situation that I had happen to me. We had to do something, basically, weren't sure if we were going to be able to do it, or, like, if we had to do certain thing for this. And basically, I got told that I needed to, like, check this. Like, I needed to verify, even though the rest of us were, like, 90% sure it was going to be a no-go. But because upper guy above me told me I needed to, I needed to. So there's no more questioning it. Uh, And again, this is very late at night. uh, So I have to message this other guy, (laughs) this, like, upper dude uh, from some other part of the the client company. And... (laughs) I send him this whole message outlining what I need. And it's, you know, 
written out it's it's not a short message but it's not super long send it off and i get this response back what do you need and i'm like Uh oh what the fuck do you mean it was all in the message i just sent and then i'm thinking to myself like i don't have time i need to get this like responded to now like i need an answer like this is where we're on the clock right so <laughs> i just i'm like all right well maybe he just saw that he had a notification and just didn't like read what i had sent so i <laughs> i fucking copy and pasted it and just resent it again because i'm like <laughs> i don't know maybe he just missed it maybe something got fucked up because it, it was like the i don't even remember if it was even microsoft teams but it was like a, a really shitty like microsoft messenger thing and it would like to be Kink. fucking weird so i yeah i don't know but i sent the message again and then he's like like he getting all pissed off basically like oh is you just fucking copy and pasted the same thing and sent it again and i'm like okay so then you clearly <laughs> fucking read it the first time you jackass so why the fuck would you ask me what i need yeah if you read the message telling you what i fucking need but I just basically apologize. We, you know, it was whatever, just move on. And it's like, oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. And just kind of like, you know, uh, you know I, I had some sort of excuse. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, fuck's sakes. It's just the stupidest shit. Like, you send this whole message and it's like, person's like, well, what do you need? What the fuck do you think I need? You jackass, get you literally me read it. I asked you like a clear question. Just give me the answer god sakes yeah i just some people just should not be in a state of power like that uh, there's just, a term for that isn't there what the fuck was it like uh some principle or something it, it's basically just like it's just a principle around how like useless people end up in like managerial positions basically <laughs> i forget what it was called though yeah i think i know the concept that you're talking about where like Gonna, you know the the fail upward style of thing, where there's a certain type of person who will, just like, you know, naturally people tend to just like a lot of people tend to like being around people who are like them, and in a business setting that can be horrible, because <laughs> you end yep. up with one jackass who goes, who goes like, I like movers and shakers. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give someone a promotion who's really like they're really they're really rise and grind, and then you end up with an entire flat management of people who don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. Well, I'm just glad I don't I'm not in a work situation where I have to worry about shit like that. So oh, yeah. that's that's all I gotta say, I guess. Man, um uh Dingo not Dingo, sorry. I don't know why I said that. Dingo. <laughs> I don't know why that popped in my head. Uh Dingo Stu brought it up here on the show. Yeah, special call out. Oh. Uh but Stu brought it up earlier. Uh built like a certain one off uh D and D uh game that we played. Uh and I remember I played one with you guys one time and it was really late at night. Oh and yeah, I remember I, that. I just got off from work, so I'm like, okay, the workday's done. I'm going to play some games with my friends. I'm going to smoke a bowl. I sm- so I smoke a bowl, and my boss calls me, like, midway through the game oh, and, no. and tries to have a serious conversation with me. I can't remember what it was about. Some, I don't know, some bit, bit orders at the time, but yeah. She's trying to have a serious conversation with me while I'm baked out of my mind. 
and I'm just sitting. I gotta roll this die. I can't. Yeah, like I felt so bad because like I literally had to like. Because I was thinking like, oh, it's late at night. This conversation is just gonna take like two minutes tops. Okay, I'll just answer this. Fucking turns into like a ten minute thing probably around that. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, boys. I got dip out for a few minutes. Oh boy. Yeah, because oh, it was just so horrible. Being baked, trying to have a serious conversation with your boss. Wow. I think, actually, I think the one, the one and only time I've gotten a call from my boss outside of work hours was right after I got hired at my current workplace. Um, in which um, there was like, it was like a, oh, you're going to be starting on like the the fourth of this month. I was like, okay, great. So fourth comes around, and um, going to come into the office. It was like, oh yeah. Great, great. It's like great to have you on the team officially, and then it's like, well, we don't don't have the contract back from HR, but it's it's gonna be here, and you know, a couple of days pass, and my boss is like getting like visibly worried about this, and I'm also getting worried because I'm like, technically everything should be signed off, but I am technically working without like an official paycheck coming to me in a couple of weeks. Oh. Um, and it ended up being that the person in uh, the person whose job it was to do the final review of the contract and then approve it had gone on vacation. Oh, wow. Locked their office door, which wasn't a problem because the maintenance guys could get in. The problem was that they had also locked their desk and they had put the, they had put the contract oh, no. in the desk. That wow. No for but them. And so I got a. I was just like biking, like yeah. I, was, I think I was just biking down, like around downtown here, and I get a call from my boss. I'm like, oh god, like I've never, like he's never called me. So I pick it up, and he's he's like yelling on his speakerphone while he's driving his car because I can hear him like accelerating, <laughs> <laughs> and he had just finally figured out, and so it was like yelling the situation at me and going like, I don't care how we do it, we're gonna get you paid, and I'm just like. Okay, this is all great news, and this situation is fucking weird. <laughs> and lo and behold, I did in fact get paid before hey, my contract was signed off on. So that is the most important part. Some would say. Oh, at least yeah, you at least you had one of those bosses that actually like cares about their workers. Because yeah, they took it upon themselves. Obvi- yeah, obviously, sounds like he took it upon himself to try to figure this out after hours. Oh, so yeah. to yeah, so he obviously cares about his workers. So yeah, that's that's really cool of him. That was a it was a nice class act, and I'm willing to bet that um someone someone else in HR was like, we need to figure this out right now, or else it's gonna get real bad. Because probably yeah, uh, but yeah, speaking and and speaking of one shots and stuff, um, because I mentioned this um mentioned this in the Discord when I was like, yeah, I could, I could hop on for the episode, um. But I've been planning out running um, a a fifth edition D and D one shot for some friends, um, and might parlay that into a kind of the the monster game thing I was talking about before, where I might parlay that up into like a a relatively short series of sessions, somewhere between like four and eight. Uh, Ooh. And okay. And the thing I was thinking about is that like there's a bunch of stuff in D and D fifth edition that just kind of annoys me. <laughs> and it's it kind of like some of this like kind of crystallized fully for me over the break because I actually played um I played a, a one shot of D D run by a friend of mine uh on New Year's Eve, which was like a kind of a cool way to to bring in the new year. 
Um, which, and the thing is, there's one particular ability that I absolutely, absolutely despise that some monsters have in D and D Fifth Edition. Um, okay. And it's called Legendary Resistance. So, kind of boss monsters. So stuff like older dragons um, and some other monsters in in D and D Fifth Edition have a bunch of extra actions and abilities that other monsters don't have. So they might have something like, oh, extra layer action. So if you attack this creature in its lair, it can just do extra things during combat or outside of combat based on its lair. Like, so like a white dragon um, might be able to make like walls of ice anywhere it wants. Um, you might have like a green dragon who can just turn all the terrain within like 10 miles of its lair into like a horrible swamp. Um, so legendary resistance and legendary actions are things that like the super powerful monsters in D&D 5th edition can do. And so normal monsters have their turn and they do their actions and kind of they have their turn in the initiative order. And, you know, then the party and however many other monsters get to go. So a powerful boss monster will have legendary actions that they can use anytime someone ends their turn. So you might have like the fighter of the party run up and take a couple of attacks on the dragon, and then when the when that guy's turn is done, the dragon can just take an action immediately. So it's meant to be like, oh yeah, this is a very a more powerful and more dangerous monster than your standard foe. But legendary resistance has bugged me for a while, um, and it kind of crystallized in the New Year's Eve game that we played because we ended up being, our group ended up being in like a really bad situation where my character got knocked out by the first attack the uh, the boss did. Uh-oh. Um, and the rest of the party got dropped down to like half hit points, because we basically all failed our saving throws, um, and I was playing a, a weak-ass wizard. Sorry, weak-ass bard. Um, so what ended up happening is that like, we were on the back foot already, and then I go... Hey, I've got this. I've got one really good spell that could buy us a bit of time. So I got I get, this. Yeah, I, 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 I can help it. I got, I got this. this. <laughs> so I cast the spell, and uh, the creature, the monster, the boss fails its saving throw, and the the DM is like, "Okay, it's going to use its legendary resistance to automatically succeed." So legendary resistance for monsters that have it is like three times in a com in, in an encounter you have with this creature it can just choose to succeed on something <laughs> so i bad. choose die i choose i hey party you put together a real cool plan um you had your like one of you spent like their last healing spell to get the bard back up so the bard could use their big move and the bard casts the, the big spell, and everyone's like, hell yeah, this works, we're gonna, like, this will really turn the fight around. And then the bad guy goes, nah, I'm gonna use my token. It says, no. it, it says I win. <laughs> oh, what, what, one free victory, up. please. Just, <laughs> he he uh, got a pay-to-win token. I have my yeah. coupon right here. <laughs> so it's meant, it's meant to be like, oh yeah, this monster is that dangerous. That it just has this extra vitality inside of it that it can tap into and brush off things that like other creatures wouldn't be able to. But in play, even when I've run like boss monsters as a dungeon master, I've never liked it because it it's always a tactic that the dungeon master gets to use to say, 
your cool plan doesn't work. And that's always yeah. bugged me. Yeah, that does that uh, is kind of what it amounts to. Like it's just like if it were maybe limited in some way where like the DM couldn't just do it over and over again, I guess. The limit is that most of them that have this have three that they can use in a fight. Okay. Um, so the but the bad thing about that is that let's say I'm just gonna throw some numbers out here and if if you get it, great. If you don't get it, I'll try to explain it. So, <laughs> so let's say you have um, you have a party of people that have a couple of spellcasters in it, and the the best level of spell they can cast is sixth level. Let's say, so there are a couple of spellcasters in this party, and they can cast one sixth level spell per day. That's kind of like their that's kind of their best move. It's the best thing they can do. Um, and around six level spells is when you start running into some like real like if the if your enemy fails their saving throw on this spell they're fucked, or like if they fail their saving throw they're gonna take a ton of damage. Ooh. So, but the problem with legendary resistance is that say you got a party of five characters and they're fighting a boss monster, they're fighting a big dragon. Three of them are spellcasters. Those three spellcasters have essentially three shots to cast six level spells. And the boss monster can just say no to every one of those spells. Wow. And it's like it's the best tool in those characters like Arsenal. And the boss can just go, nah, I don't feel like it. I'm just gonna succeed. <laughs> and, and for some spells, that means that nothing happens, depending on like because there's some spells that are like big gambles. So if the creature you're targeting with it makes their saving throw, nothing happens. And there are other spells that if they make your saving throw, they take half the effect. But yeah, so it's something that's bugged me for a while with D&D 5th edition that like having watched a bunch of people play around and hack with it, when I do my one shot and maybe this mini uh, campaign, I want to start like changing a bunch of the ways that the rules, especially around that stuff works. Which is like okay. I'm like if I do give anything legendary resistance, if the monster uses it, they're gonna lose something else. So say you have a dragon that uses its legendary resistance. If it does, it can't br use its breath weapon anymore. It can't like if it's a red dragon, it can't breathe fire anymore. Like it has to give something up to get that free pass. Or so yeah, that's been that's been bugging me for a while, and. Uh, at least I think like dingoes of a similar opinion, um, <laughs> which is like it's kind of the dumb thing in D and D, of when you're running a D and D game or any tabletop game, like you do adhere to the rules, but if you're making the monster, if you're making the boss, you can make it do whatever you want. So if you're worried that your party has this really powerful spell that'll basically end the combat as soon as someone casts it, you could just have your monster be immune to that effect and give it a like in fiction reason for that yeah exactly you know, well it's it's that's smarter and more calculated than just being like no i can just this creature could just bend the rules to say no <laughs> fuck you yeah because that's what it, that like that's what i've always thought it's kind of been like for players and that 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 because the exact situation happened on new year's eve i was like yep this is just like solidified it in my mind. 
for I hate I hate this boss ability. I think it sucks. <laughs> everyone like everyone in the group deflated when the boss was like, ah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna succeed. I'm just gonna say screw you. Yeah. Yep. I mean everything you've built yeah. up towards however many sessions, nah, just screw it. Yeah. I can understand why <laughs> you de you despise something like that. Yeah. Cause it's it's very like and I know I know the DM didn't mean it to be this way, but in a lot in in a way it's very anti-player. Oh uh, like, yeah, yeah. Like Bigby, imagine if in Blades, um, oh. when you guys were fighting the Bumbler, oh, if the Bumbler was just like, no, I'm just gonna, you didn't kill me, I'm just gonna, mm. you you hit me, but I do, but no, it doesn't happen. Like that would the suck. The it would the only reason I would be willing to believe that it could was just the nature of how it was like a bunch of little machines, and if I remember correctly, the way I tried to kill it was just like I had my big neck come and squish both sides of it, which I thought at the time would work pretty well. But as I thought about it after the session, I thought about how it was a bunch of little robots all compiled together, and I was like, oh, I don't know, but there. <laughs> That was kind of kind of lucky that worked out as well as it did because that there's reason to believe that they could have just you know reformatted to like break apart and just you know minimize the damage if yep. at least so. And if you had failed in that role, that probably would have happened. You would have just squeezed the ro the big robot head like it was butter, and all the tiny robots would have eaten your mech's hands. Oh like, shit! Something along those lines, but yeah, like I, I find that. Um, Having played Blades for a while, which if you don't know what Blades in the Dark is, listeners, it's kind of a um, oh, a more focused so fiction first game than D and D, where like basically you say I want this to happen and you make a roll, and then depending on what you roll, it either happens, it does happen, but there's a problem, or it doesn't happen. Those are the oh three. yeah, well yeah, and actually that's the thing I want to mention with that, and I think I've talked about it before, but I'll I'll run through it again quick because. I, that that notion of it happening or not happening or uh happening with like a like some sort of uh Probably. added consequence is, is really cool but i like how when you really look at like how it works with the die rolling it's actually like it's super interesting with how the odds are because like you're rolling anywhere from like one to four d6s basically and that's all you're rolling and you take the highest result unless you're rolling at disadvantage, in which case you're rolling two and taking the lower result. But basically, the way it ends up working out is if it's a one to three, you just don't succeed. You failed. It didn't work out if that's like your highest. Then the next one is if it's four or five, it's a success, but there's some sort of consequence. And then finally, the just the way you normally succeed is just you got to get a six. And that's the thing in that you basically have with any one die, if you're only rolling a single die, your odds are basically like one in six that you're actually going to succeed and not have anything else negative happen to you. And I think that's really interesting because it's not that bad because when you also consider the four and five for the partial success, your odds are really about 50% that you're going to succeed and be able to do the thing that you want to do, which is good because it basically just becomes a coin flip as to whether or not you're actually going to do what you're setting out to do. So you will succeed fairly often, but you'll still fail often enough that it's not like a, a guaranteed thing. Yeah. But 
there's only like a one in six chance that there there's not still going to be some shit that you're going to have to deal with that you're going to have to adapt to and i think that fits really well with the idea of like some sort of criminal heist situation where things are changing and you know suddenly there's some new thing that they have to deal with and adapt to and it changes the whole game and throws everything on its head again that's uh that's part of what i love about the system is how well it replicates that in like a tabletop setting yeah like the, it's kind of it is very much a, a heist focused of like hey are you guys doing an ep- are you guys doing the movie snatch or lock stock and two smoking barrels like the like a guy Ritchie movie is basically built yeah. for every character to fail for an hour and 25 minutes and then finally <laughs> someone just succeeds and everyone's like that worked and then they run off yeah so like and you know, having played having run the blades game for a while and having like kind of because i haven't run a, a dnd fifth edition campaign in a, in a little while now for like eight months i think which is honestly the longest that i haven't run a dnd game in my like my wow. adult life oh wow well, these these are weird times right now, yeah. but that is yeah. pretty crazy. But like, but with that with that distance from it, like I'm now able to go like very easily go. Oh, hey, I really dislike these parts of the system, and I'm just not going to use them. Like, and you know, it's uh, other small stuff I want to do too. Like the there's like a there's an action you can take in the game that's called dodge, which basically means hey, until until your next turn any attack made on you is made with disadvantage because you're actively dodging and you have advantage on dexterity saving throws because it's like a fireball goes off you can like dive out of the way more easily and I'm like well why why can't you do that for any saving throw so if you take like the defense action then you have advantage on strength saving throws because hey you're bracing yourself or if you're taking the defense action you have like you have advantage on intelligence saving throws because you're analyzing the situation so you know tweaking stuff like that to basically make the game a little more like open from what it currently is um so yeah i'm i'm hoping i can hoping i can bring some uh some some kind of new stuff to my uh my dnd physician friends because um, I, have, I have i have a few friends who they they're really like locked in on D and D. Like they they don't really they they have played other games with me, but they don't really enjoy other games like they do D and D. So okay. I kind of want to start. I kind of start want to like start cracking into D and D to kind of modify it so I can change it and then trick them into playing other games. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's fair. Just yeah, use the D and D engine, but like it's truly a different game. It's yep. still Dungeons and Dragons, guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I want to have I want to have some bosses that are like rape like even though I even though I, for reasons not to do with gameplay, despise MMOs. I would like to have some like bosses in D and D that are a little more like raid bosses. So like, uh, hey, you've got your phases. The boss does multiple things per per round of combat. It has like specific abilities that the that the party can learn during combat, and you know stuff like playing with the system to make it like more more engaging in combat because you know for a lot of times D can turn into like it's my turn all right i hit i, I roll three times i hit man cool i'm done yeah yeah uh, yeah that's fair yeah so that's uh, the thing i kind of like about blades it doesn't feel as much like a combat sim like what 
D and D and certain games like that can kind of feel like sometimes. Yeah, and also it's it's very easy. Um, it's very easy, I find, in Blades to note that combat is going to be harder. Because um, unlike D&D, because D&D is like, you know, it's got initiative-based combat, so everyone involved in the combat makes a role to determine when they're going to act in, in a given round. And that means that every monster on the field has their turn. And so, like, monster A can, like, attack the fighter. Monster B can shoot an arrow at the wizard. But in Blades in the Dark, most combat um, is the party is making rolls against people, and then most of the time, those like the the forces the party is fighting against, they don't make actions on their own. In order for someone to get hurt in a Blades game, they usually have to fuck up a roll, so they usually uh, have okay. to get like a one to three on their die. So if like the party got like cornered by a bunch of regular guards like by regular uh, police then if they had a fight the only time that the party would take any negatives would be if they rolled that one to three or four to five but something that i've kind of hacked into our blades game is that if you're facing something especially like something or someone especially dangerous then they get to just act sometimes and they get to impose a consequence on one or more people in the party. Like the first time, uh, Bigby, you guys fought Davy, when right. he was just like, I'm just going to shoot you now. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it kind of, in some ways, it slightly breaks the system, but it also means that, like, yeah, you're, you're fighting someone who is, like, way more dangerous than the regular people you do fight, that they can just, like... It's the reverse of the D and D fifth edition cre- like creature going. I'm going to use my legendary resistance to just succeed. And <laughs> going, this weird guy with the sharp ass is just going to shoot you now for free. Yeah, yeah. So you have these like uh, mechanics that like uh, they they attack the player, but they you're they're not entirely anti-player like the total invulnerability token this other monster had you mentioned er- earlier. Because yeah. at least in Blades. There, there's like an extra mechanic that a player can use to ignore a consequence. At, at any point, a player can go like, "I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try to make a roll to resist this bad thing that happened to me," and they can just like wipe it out in fiction. Oh, okay. So like, yeah, so it's like, oh yeah, you got like, hey, you failed your roll and you got shot in the chest. Um, you're gonna take the, you're gonna take like the, the shot harm, and then a player can just go, uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to resist that. They make a roll, and no matter what they roll, that consequence now doesn't happen. It's just like they just get like they get like points in a mechanic called stress. Um, but it's a cool tool for the player to it's like the it's like the player being able to say, "No, that didn't happen to me." And rather than me the GM going, "No, my monster's too cool for you." It's the player going, no, I'm too cool for this monster. Okay. And it's cool, too, just because, like, that stress resource you need for a lot of different stuff. And it's it's something you have to kind of spend carefully. So it's not too broken as to give the players, like, too much of an advantage. But it does give them some sort of recompense. Mm-hmm. 
man blades is a cool system the whole thing too with like forged in the dark and how like they have it up there so you can just basically make your own like hacks of it super easily is really cool too yep my favorite hack of blades in the dark um that i've seen in a long time um on one of their discords um was someone who came out with a hack for it that was called dogs in the bark i was gonna mention (laughs) that i saw (laughs) dogs in the bark that's good that's that's good rather rather than you guys than like the party playing like a team of criminals you're just playing like a pack of like city dogs and so like your 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 player classes aren't like the cutter or or the leech it's like oh i'm i'm like the purebred i'm like the mongrel (laughs) I'm like I'm the toy dog and so like yeah and and it's got like it's kind of tied into the blades mechanics of like all right what's your crew like what kind of turf does your crew hold and for dogs in the bark it's like all right where have you been spreading your scent have you been pissing on the right posts all right you're gonna have a rumble with the crew from like two streets over because they smelled you on that fire hydrant they're coming for you oh so yeah it, it is kind of fun when uh game or hacks slash mods like that come out that like change the game but don't change the game kind of gives like a nice fresh coat of paint totally yeah uh now like game game hacks in uh tabletop rpgs are kind of are are super cool and it's been it's been really cool because um for a long time D has had Aside from like some very specific things to do with like creatures and some concepts that they've created, like the D and D license is open, so anyone can use the system to create hacks. And like there are tons of people online who will make custom classes and make custom. Okay, that's monsters. cool. Yeah, and and like sell them. The only thing that you can't really do is like. Um, the classic one is like classic two are like mind flayer. Sorry, classic three. You got mind flayers. You've got beholders, and you got Drizzadorden are like the three big ones that Wizards of the Coast will like. They'll they'll get into a legal battle with you if you use those three. Um, huh. But the, the and that's mainly because like they came up with mind flayers and beholders like you know, twenty thirty years ago. Actually, yeah, way well, more at this point. Yeah. I don't but blame like, them for that, and they are the most like iconic, like D and D specific creatures, and the designs associated with them for sure. So, yeah, and so they've allowed, they've had an open light every time they've released a new system for I think since sec since like first edition actually is like it's kind of it's open for anyone to design their own content. So you're never you never have to sign a license agreement or you never have to sign like get like a business copy of Dungeons and Dragons in order to basically promote your own work. Man, it's wild hearing that after hearing about all the bullshit that uh fucking Games Workshop pulls with fucking all the Warhammer stuff and all the fan shit uh, going on with that. Uh like, what what game, sorry? Games Workshop. They're the ones who do uh, Warhammer. So like Warhammer 40k and stuff like that. That's and like Vermintide even would be like another thing from that universe. Uh, okay. Um, but they they are not very chill about fan content these days. Oh, that, that sucks. Yeah. I mean they got their they they got a bit of their lunch eating out from underneath them by by like Blizzard kind of aping their style for uh for Warcraft. I 
I gotta double check, but I, if I remember correctly, the first Warcraft game I think was originally something they were gonna, they were trying to propose to Games Workshop as a Warhammer game, but they basically oh. were like, "No, fuck you." Yeah, <laughs> that was War. Oh god, Games Workshop has had, and I, I really haven't played Warhammer, so I'm not like, I'm not like in with that group, but like, yeah, from like stuff I've heard and read, Games Workshop has had several iterations of we hate people working with our ip stop it stop trying to make our stop trying to make our pop property more interesting stop it you can't do this and so yeah i think that warcraft one was pitched as a warhammer game initially because like the style the character like look and style in in warcraft and warhammer are incredibly similar especially in like the body proportions and like everyone in Warhammer has huge shoulders. Well, I mean, it even goes beyond just Warhammer, right? Cause Starcraft even pulls pretty heavily from 40 K. I mean, the, mm. um, oh, the fucking, uh, the Zerg and the Tyranids are basically like pretty clear match. I mean, the Eldar and the fucking, um, uh, the, uh, Protoss or whatever, those guys, they're, pretty similar too in a lot of ways yeah there's a there's a there are a couple of kotaku articles essentially just about this with like <laughs> people for like yeah with like blizzard co-founder saying yeah we wanted to do this but they they we weren't able to make a deal damn <laughs> just straight up call for it but like it's kind of hard nowadays not to like almost create something that's like not similar to something else yeah, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, to me, art has always just been like, you know, everybody taking everything else that they've already experienced and recontextualizing it through their own perspective. But there's, yeah, then there's the reductionist take, which is man who's only seen Boss Baby going like, man, I'm getting a lot of Boss Baby vibes out of. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Oh getting, man, getting a lot of boss baby vibes from this. Oh man, um, anyone got any recommendations for this week? Um, I mean, not really like a specific uh like thing to check out. Uh, what I've been doing lately is um, I've been really trying to go in depth to like different hobbies i've been having so uh i was talking to zoo earlier about but like i got um i told you earlier but i got an ipad for christmas and oh, yeah. uh, uh and that came with garage band so i've been kind of messing around with like uh different uh beats and stuff just m making simple music Ooh. but but like uh, just kind of um really diving into that and like exploring it uh so what I mean by that is like look up like uh really good quality uh YouTube videos of like how to do basically like or how to improve on whatever your hobby is whether it be making music uh like digital art uh map making the whatever it is See, try to like really expand on your knowledge because you'd be surprised at what you know already and if you just kind of polish what you have now. It, you'd be surprised at what amazing things you could do. Taxidermy. <laughs> um, that's pretty dope, though. That, honestly, no, that's that's a great recommendation, bees. What about 
either of you. You got anything to recommend? Well, I only I only played a bit of it. Um, I didn't I didn't come into this thinking of a recommendation, but so I, I started playing a little bit of a game um, called Hunt Down, hmm. which is like a side scrolling shooter, um, like a little bit metal sluggy. Um, that like has really kick-ass music. It's got like a like a a general. It's got like a general style of like an eighties like. What was it with this? Kind of like an eighties uh like kind of like I I, I cyberpunk ruined me using the word. <laughs> God damn it! Wow, that's a fair. Yeah. Cy- damn cyberpunk they ruined cyberpunk yeah they 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 ruined the genre but it, it's very much that where you can kind of pick one of three um one of three bounty hunters and you're basically moving through um different like different levels and like you know the 2d level and you're just shooting the crap out of um like different members of different gangs so the first gang you fight is like is like super like crust punky um like a lot of people with like like cross punky slash like English punk like like very like neon colored pointed hair. It's like kind of this really cool pixel style. The music is fantastic. Um, there are a couple tracks in that game that like I didn't want to stop fighting the boss because the track was so good. Um, and like so, the first gang is like you know very punkish. The second gang are just like a. It seems like a like imagine if like a really well-known hockey goalie quit the NHL and started his own gang of thousands of people. So like a Patrick huh. Waugh in the nineties was like, I'm going to get into organized crime. <laughs> so all of his gang members are like using like, they're using hockey sticks and like the heavies of that group are in like goalie gear. So it's got a pretty good sense of humor about it too. I, I, I'd recommend that as like a, not very expensive game on steam that is so far been just like really really fun like and again awesome music is kick-ass what's that one called again hunt down hunt down i'm gonna have to look that up honestly it sounds pretty sounds pretty neat i i have a i'm not particularly good at them but i have a, a certain fondness for that sort of metal slug style of like side scrolling shooter so that is pretty oh yeah that graphic style now that i'm okay yeah yeah this is got that that gritty kind of yeah i've been watching i got introduced to this by um a stream i watched and oh copy stain publishing oh that's cool okay yeah yeah so someone in the chat of the stream was like this game is what genesis games wanted to look like man oh wow i can see that yeah, that's for sure. Wish list. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I definitely well, go give that a check out. I guess I'm up now. Um, I I have an album I'm gonna recommend this week. A 2020 album uh, titled "The Age of Hieronymus" by Hieronymus Dross and uh, or Dross. I'm not sure. It, either way, very very good album. Very cool. It's uh, basically, it's all instrumental. There's not any vocals, but it's 
basically the kind of music like very 70s inspired but it feels like almost be part of like a 70s like cop movie like you know you're on the bad streets kind of thing and it's uh i know it's got that kind of vibe that kind of uh old school uh i don't know i'm trying to think of like an old uh like cop movie that kind of like 70s you know you got the the badass cop and he's out you know doing <laughs> solving the crimes i don't know <laughs> hair yeah like that kind of uh i'm trying to think of i mean i i don't like have enough like things to pull on as like cultural touchstones that i'm trying to reference but it's it's that kind of i don't know i wouldn't quite call it stereotypical but it's it's uh he captures the style and the vibe really really well and it's uh it's when i've been enjoying kicking to while i've been doing some sketching and stuff lately so definitely uh definitely give it a listen check that out yeah my uh that's in my Spotify for checking out. I was definitely. I was gonna say, yeah. What's it called again? Sorry. It is the Age of Hieronymus. The Age of Harambe. Hieron- no, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> By Hieronymus. Well, the first thing that came up for me was Hieronymus Borscht, um, but I don't think you said Dross, right? Dross. Yeah, I posted a link to Spotify in our Discord thing. If you <laughs> to make it a little easier. Oh yeah, that does make it a lot easier. I never was figured out how to spell that you never heard of um uh what's his real name shit hieronymus bosch no that does not sound familiar to me that's the real dude okay i was right okay my boyfriend was beside me and he was like yes you are correct uh oh yeah there's an i'm also just gonna give a quick shout out yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he was like a painter, or he did other stuff too. I know, I know, he painted things just because Garden of Earthly Delights and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's. I'm gonna give a quick shout out to another song, um, <laughs> just because it, it, it it's a good track. It's kind of like a, a moody kind of. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how to describe the genre of music it is, but it's it's a cool track. Check it out. It's got it, it kind of like an old style, like and when I say old style, I'm talking like a very old, like 1700s kind of vibe to an extent. Uh, it's by an artist called J- Andro and uh, James Balink. Uh, I don't know much about these artists or anything else they've done. Uh, the song itself is very good, and this isn't the reason that I saved it, but it is titled Hieronymus Bosch Butt Music. <laughs> <laughs> which delights me every time i see it uh the song is for as silly a name as that is the song is nothing like what the name would suggest but it's very good um well i think that's it for this week though yeah i think that's the end for episode 53 uh thank thank you very yeah 53 episodes wow but always, uh, thank you very much to Didgeristu for joining us on this week. Yeah, I'm happy, uh, always happy to give a couple of rants and talk about things I care about and talk to people who have uh, who are also passionate about the, their own projects, be that uh, making new music or uh, talking about uh, Hieronymus. I almost said Hieronymus Borsch again, but Hieronymus <laughs> Borsch. I swear to God, that's the first thing that came up in Spotify. But yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's very good. Oh, man. 
No, this has been great. We always love having you on, Stu. It's always a good time, always good chat. And uh, enjoy having you guys come and listen to us and hang out with us here on our, our little balcony. Our little digital balcony, I guess. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks to Zoo, as always. Oh, for of course. Of I never forget him. Music. Yeah, definitely go check him out. He's on Spotify, Bandcamp, SoundHound, SoundCloud. <laughs> I can never know when if you when you say SoundHound now if you're joking or not. Like a part of me thinks you're making a clever like callback reference, but then I also think that you're just maybe you're just forgetting the name of the application again. That that one was just a genuine mistake, but then I, I said it immediately <laughs> after and I was like, wait, it's I not that it. one, it's cloud. The, the logo for that would have to be a a uh, sorry to break into your uh, your your pull here black Bell, but the logo for Soundhound would definitely be a beagle um, with like a um, like an amplifier right in front of it. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be pretty good. I could see that. And they sell in Oh well, and now I hate it. Uh, <laughs> no. Blackbird Bell, look him up. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Big V the Wizard. I do art stuff there, and we're also on Twitter at Balcony underscore oh. Banter, where we post memes sometimes. Uh, in between episode recordings, come say hi. Uh, I've been Big V, and I've been Bees, and this has been Balcony Banter. And what's the final word for this week, Stu? Words. Legendary right. resistance is terrible. <laughs>